Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Hey, thanks. You know, thank you so much. And uh, y'all, y'all are awesome. He, he was he was talking about. They were talking about your favorite Christmas song and and uh, Mariah Carey. And you know that 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 song. All I want for Christmas is you. And, and I, I I don't like that song at all. I, it's just really annoying to me. So when our children were younger, when our children were younger, in Instead of instead of just singing "All I Want for Christmas Is You," I I taught them that the words were actually different than what they were hearing on the on the radio. I said it goes "All I Want for Christmas Is Shoes," and so they started singing "All I Want for Christmas Is Shoes." They still sing it that way, and I love it because it is so annoys Rebecca. Yeah, I love her. Yeah, but it still just so totally annoys her, and that's that's the best way to sing that song, in my personal opinion. If I but again, Christmas Eve service is two weeks away, and I, I encourage you to make sure that you've got your tickets for that. Uh, I, I we we actually do seat about we comfortably seat about 180 in here, and and so based upon that, that's what our tickets are looking at. We have uh, we're we're down. I think we have about 80 seats uh, still available, and and interestingly, we most of the seats at this point have been reserved by people who don't even attend church. So that I'm excited. For that, it's going to be a really good. Uh, it's going to be a really fun day on Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve, what time is the service? Two, two o'clock. So if you show up at ten thirty, who's going to be here? I will not be here. I don't. I won't be here till like noon. But yeah, no, I, I won't be here. But it'll be fun. I'm, who knows? I might be here, and I can just look at you and wave at you, or whatever. I'm here at weird hours anyway. So, but again, no morning service that day. Make sure you mark your calendars. And if you want to invite someone to that service, if you'd like for someone else to join you in that service, please go ahead and get them that, that ticketing link or go ahead and fill it out for them. You just need their email address. Uh, that would be, you know, it's kind of like strong arming someone to come, but go ahead and, and get those tickets, uh, those, get those tickets, get those seats reserved. All right. Well, Today, uh, we, we're starting just a little bit early. We've, we're not online yet, but if you guys are able to switch us online, go ahead and switch us to live online. That'll, that way we can go ahead and get rolling with this. But my, my message today starts in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. So if you have your Bibles, get them open to Luke 1, 46. Luke 1, 46. Now, our, uh, uh, I, I like to say that Christmas is a time of joy. Uh, it really is. Christmas is a time of joy, and there's, there's this uh, children's song that, uh, that I used to sing when I was a child. My, my mother led the children's church when I was a child, and she would sing this song in children's church. She'd also sing it at home and kind of annoy me to no end, singing it like when I wasn't happy. But it was this little song, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. No, 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 you're supposed to say where. Okay, let's... Let's try it again, okay? <laughs> Y'all are fun. If you didn't know the song, there's no, there's no shame whatsoever. Those of you who didn't say where, and you should have, okay. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. 
Good, down in my heart. And that's how it keeps going like that. And, and it, it, it's a lot of fun. And again, if I, wasn't, if I wasn't happy one day, my mom would just start singing it and get me to singing it and try to get me to laugh. And it usually worked. I'd be laughing by the end of it. But, but, but the question is, do you have joy in your heart? And if you don't, where is it? Where is it? Well, my Christmas series this year is entitled Joy Rediscovered. Joy Rediscovered. And it is Christmas. It's Christmas season. And the title of today's message is, Where's My Joy? It is a favorite time of the year for me. I, I don't ever get tired of seeing the lights and the decorations. I love the Christmas music. I love Christmas downtown also. Uh, I, I actually saw a report yesterday saying that the weather here in North Texas on Christmas Day, as if they already know, they think they know, but it's still two, uh, 15 days away, but say Christmas Day in North Texas is going to be a gorgeous day in the 60s. And yeah... Uh, that's why around here, if you're if you're if you if your background is up north somewhere, around here we just say I'm dreaming of a white Christmas because that's all we could ever do. We just dream about it, and it's not about the ones we used to know because if you were if you've been around here all your life, you didn't ever know about a white Christmas. It's just stuff you saw on TV shows. So you can basically change the words to that song, just like the ones on TV shows. That's the way to sing it here in North Texas. But uh, yeah. It's, I had to think about that. It's like, well, it's going to be in the 60s. But still, I, 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 every, every year around this time of year, I think of the, the poor guys down in like Australia where, where it's the middle of the summer there and, and they have to celebrate Christmas and they have their Christmas trees and all that kind of stuff in the summer. It is, it is crazy. It's, it would be strange for me. And it, I think it's strange for any, any of us because we are Northern Hemispherians. And yes, I did check it out. The word Hemispherian is actually a real word. So, but, but here's a true story about Christmas though. It was this un bearably hot day in Southern California. And in fact, it was one of the hottest days ever on record. And this singer-songwriter by the name of Mel Torme, he decided to go visit his friend on this super hot day in Los Angeles. And the friend was Nat King Cole. So on this day, he, he went to his place and he found Nat King Cole trying to push back or drive back the desert heat of Southern California with electric fans and with positive thinking. Because, and so the way Nat King Cole would do this is he would just write down little phrases that, that, would, that would help him to think about what it, would like, what it was like in Christmas. Because he was originally from New England. And so he had written some phrases down on the piece of paper about chestnuts roasting and Jack Frost nipping at your nose, yuletide carols, folks dressed up like Eskimos, right? So he thought, if I could just immerse myself in these, these words, these phrases, these thoughts about Christmas, then I'll begin to cool off. And at the same time, though, the, the temperature was blazing. They were both sweating through their clothes. Of course, there's no air conditioning. And, uh, and so, but then this idea struck Mel Torme. And he said to Nat King Cole, he said, hey, let's use those phrases to write a Christmas song. 
So they got to work, and they got to work on something that actually became a Christmas classic. And within literally 45 minutes, the whole song, everything had come together. Now, this was the official hottest day of the summer in 1946. And Mel Torme he played this new Christmas number there with Nat King Cole. And then Nat King Cole, the next day, he immediately made arrangements to record the song. Uh, and, and a few months later, this song stayed in the top 10 list for two months solid. Now, most people think of this song as chestnuts roasting on an open fire. They think that's the name of it. But actually, it's really called The Christmas Song. Now, I always struggle with that because how can that be the Christmas song? They don't talk about Jesus. But, but aside from that, I did look at the original album that this came out on. And, and uh, all the other songs except for one, they're all Christ-centered. They're all centered on the reason for Christmas. And, but but, but the, Chris, the Christmas song, that's their name, the Christmas song, has a line in it that I love. It says, and so I'm offering this simple phrase to kids from 1 to 92 Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. And those lyrics, in many ways, they kind of encompass the essence of the Christmas season that Christmas is for everyone, no matter what your age, no matter what your background. But what's interesting about this song is that it brought these images of Christmas warmth against the chilly outdoors, but it was written in the opposite of circumstances, in blazing heat with no air conditioning, under a dome of high pressure that was over Southern California that day. Think about it. How can that be? How can anyone sing about something they can't see and when everything right in front of them is just the opposite? When the heat... And the high pressure is bearing down. How can anyone sing the opposite? Well, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she knew about these circumstances. She was an unmarried, pregnant teenager. And essentially, she ran away from home fleeing her fiancé. And she went to the care and the comfort of her, of her relative, Elizabeth, who is in another city, and she went there under the strangest of circumstances to basically hide out because she was pregnant. You see, Mary had been visited by the angel Gabriel. And this visit just completely frightened her. But then she accepted the message and she immediately became pregnant with the Son of God. But how in the world is she going to explain this to her fiancé? How is she going to explain that, well... Yeah, I still really am a virgin, but God made me pregnant. I mean, come on. And in spite of all this anxiety that Mary must have been facing, what's interesting is a song began to erupt in her heart that seemed the opposite of everything that was happening around her. That song is recorded in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. It's preserved for all of us to read today. Uh, often in your Bibles, you'll see a little title at the beginning of this section that says Mary's Song, and this is poetry uh, that, that's written for us. And, and actually, this is what I would call the Christmas song or the real Christmas song. It goes like this, and Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced 
speaking of joy, in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondservant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Holy One, the Mighty One, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is to generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He's filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away empty-handed. He's given help to his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, just as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. You see, whatever her emotional state was when she began her praise, it must have reached this literally exalted mood by the time she finished it because she was praising God. And this, this song it swept away the gloom and the confusion that was in her heart and it was replaced with joy that came from adoration to God. So again, the question, the title of the message, where's my joy? Well, here's my encouragement. Let Mary teach you the way to joy. See, when the stress of life is too much for you and when your tears just keep going and flowing, I don't want you to see this as some type of suffering that you're going through that nobody else has faced before, but I want you to read the scriptures because when you read the scriptures, you'll see that nearly all of the heroes in the scriptures, God's servants, they suffered through low times they went through depression. They, they went through confusion and despair and sadness. So why? Why could Mary sing with joy? It's because she had encountered the God of the universe. She had a heavenly visitation. And now her body was the living, breathing temple of God, the place where God dwelt literally in her womb. Now, now there is an incredible parallel for us as believers because as I was studying this, I saw something in this story I've never seen before and it came to light for me because we also carry God in us. See, the Holy Spirit of God abides in you. You are a living, breathing temple of God. I mean, Paul wrote these words. He says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? And this is something that I, I believe a lot of Christians forget about, or maybe they just take it lightly. But when Mary realized that God was in her, it changed her life forever, as it should ours. As the angel Gabriel, when he spoke the word of God to her and explained to her what was about to happen both in her and through her, she, she replied back. She goes, well, how can this be? And then the angel Gabriel said what I consider to be some of the most potent words in Scripture in Luke one thirty seven. He said this, nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary replied, she said, well, well, I'll tell you what, may it be to me as you have said. And Mary, see, what Mary did is she came into complete agreement with the word of God that was spoken. And according to John 1.14, the word became flesh in Mary's womb. She literally became, she, she began carrying God. Think of that in human form in her womb. And then she had joy in the midst of her confusion, 
and her lack of understanding, her poverty, her pain, her relational stress with Joseph, all that seemed like nothing compared to the new joy that she had because she was blessed and highly favored by God, just like you are. But what happened in Mary is similar to what's happening in many of our lives right now. Uh, if you're a believer, you've experienced a heavenly visitation. You felt the love and the acceptance and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. You came into agreement with the word of God. And at that very moment, Jesus entered your life and the spirit of God came into you and you became a new creation. A new life was formed and it was your life. You were born again and then you became the living, breathing temple of God. And like Mary, that, my friend, is something to sing about. That's something to rejoice about. That's the foundation, literal foundation of joy. Now, when you consider this, it really makes Christmas come alive and we can actually begin to relate to Mary. For like Mary, in the midst of her pain and in the middle of her confusion, God chose to reside within us, like within her, to be our eternal partner and friend and as I, as I reviewed the meaning behind the stanzas in Mary's song, which we just read, which again is the real Christmas song, I, I thought, well, how could I make this my Christmas song? Because God dwells in me also. And so I, I found several reasons that were right there in the stanzas that, that we could kind of breeze past because it's talking about some things that we may not understand of the current events of that world of that time. But here's what I found. Verse 47, I found this. My spirit is thriving and full of joy. Verse 48, God gives me his personal attention. Verse 49, unexpected blessings are coming my way. Verse 50, I have received mercy instead of judgment. Verse 51, I have personal support from the strongest being in all creation. Verse 52, I have been lifted up and I have been given dignity. Verse 53, my emptiness has been satisfied. Verse 54, what I need, when I need help the most, God is present. That is the foundation of joy. That's a Christmas song. See, a, a Merry Christmas is not contingent upon whether or not your Christmas dinner turns out right. It's not about whether your children are happy with their gifts or you throw a good party or you actually go to a good party or whether or not you feel good physically or <laughs> a Merry Christmas is not about whether you get along well with the interesting relatives you're going to get to hang out with. It's whether or not you're able to get past the junk of your own life in a fallen world and remember that you are carrying God inside of you and that's where the joy comes from. So a Merry Christmas is contingent upon Christ's habitation in us. So the first step in coming to God is, like Mary, re recognizing that you don't have anything to offer, and you need only what God can give you. God is suitable to the lonely. He's suitable to those who are helpless. And, and the challenge with all this is, is you can't really receive the gifts of what God has for you if you are all self-sufficient. And we, as city dwellers, are really some of the worst in that. Hey, we've got it all together. Man, I've got my stuff together. I live in this nice city. 
Why? It's because we don't think we need him, but we do. I'm just fine without God. But you see, it's the humble and the needy who seek and find God. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. He said, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the insignificant things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So when we come to Jesus as foolish and weak and lowly and broken and despised, we come to him in an acceptable manner, just like Mary. And then his spirit comes to abide in us and fills us with joy unspeakable. You still might be saying, well, where's my joy? Because I don't feel it. Well, I'm going to explain something to you. Joy and happiness are not the same. They're not. See, in our culture, the, these words are used pretty much as, as synonyms, but in reality, they are very different. And, and, and for believers, I, I believe it's important that we not get them confused. Here's my definition of joy. Joy is a lasting choice rooted in our relationship with God, bringing inner contentment and satisfaction. Joy is not contingent upon outward circumstances, but it supernaturally sustains our souls during dark times. That's joy. You see, and that's only possible if Christ abides in us. And even then, he gives us a choice as to whether we're not going whether or not we're even going to operate in that joy. Yeah. See, joy is not some fabrication of emotion. It's not about hyping yourself up or putting on a fake smile. No, it is a natural fruit that's born in our lives because the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. James chapter 1 verse 2 and 3 says this. It says, consider it all joy. See the word joy? Consider it all joy. You're like, yeah, okay, I consider it all joy, but keep reading. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So you see, joy is not contingent upon the outward circumstances. It's a supernatural work of God that sustains your soul. Your, your soul is your mind and your emotions and your will during your dark times. Joy gives you inner contentment. Joy gives you satisfaction. Happiness, on the other end, it's very different. Happiness is a fleeting and often brief emotion that makes a person feel good. See, happiness is a reaction to positive circumstances. In fact, the root of happiness, hap, comes from the term, this is the same, same term that's found in happenstance. It's like when things happen that are good, well, it makes you happy. So, you know, you go to a show or a concert and you're happy. You get a nice Christmas gift and you're happy. You propose to the woman of your dreams and she says, yes, and you're happy. You have dinner at Joe T. Garcia's and you're happy. At least I am. You know, it's a brief emotion. And it makes you feel good in the moment. But it's an emotional reaction to circumstances. And it can flee just as quickly as it arrives. Now, please understand, there's nothing wrong with happiness. But happiness is what the culture 
drives for it. It seeks after this. Because the culture in general doesn't understand that joy is actually much, much, much better. And also, this is critical. Joy cannot coexist with sin. Happiness can, but joy doesn't. I'll tell you, if if you're carrying sin, you're not going to have inner contentment. You're not going to have inner satisfaction. As I was preparing this message, I I probed deep and I I just asked myself the question, well then what is the opposite of joy? What what is it? It's like, well it's not grief and it's not sorrow. Again, those are emotions because you can actually have a lot of grief and sorrow and still maintain joy. And as I studied and researched more and more, I discovered that the opposite of joy is actually sin. Because when, where sin abides, joy departs. In fact, I'll just tell you this right up front. Sin can make you happy. It can. It's all temporary, though, but sin blinds you, sin finds you, and sin grinds you. That's why the fallen world and the culture will pursue sin because it can make you happy in the moment, but it's deceptive and it blinds you, it finds you and it grinds you and that happiness doesn't last and sin does feel good in the moment, but it always comes back to bite you one way or another. So to get your joy back, your sin needs to be cleansed. But then again, that's why Jesus came in the first place. That's what began in the womb of Mary. See, the angel told Joseph in Matthew 121, he said, she will give birth to a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their what? Sins. See, this cleansing of sin restores joy. Uh, Even King David, when he had sinned and he had committed adultery and and he wanted his sin to be gone and he asked God, God, cleanse me from this sin because I want my joy restored. I thank God that that we have Jesus to cleanse us from our sin. And, And again, that is the foundation for a Merry Christmas. There's another Christmas song that that, that stirs my heart during this season, and it was written by a man by the name of Isaac Watts. Uh, He grew up in church, and he loved music so much. He's a musician. But Isaac felt that in the church, he says, the music is monotonous. There's not much inspiration in it. There's no joy. There's no emotion in the music. And so as a teen, Isaac began to complain to his father about the music at church. And he's, Dad, I can't stand this archaic language we have to sing in. It doesn't make sense. And it's so dry and dead. So his dad challenged him, well, then why don't you come up with something better? (laughs) That's a good way. That's a good way to deal with that. So you know what Isaac did? He did. He started writing song after song. In fact, during his lifetime, he wrote over 600 Christian songs. But see, by the age of 26, Isaac was pastoring a church in England, and uh, one day he was studying one of the Psalms, Psalm 98. And he was just going through it word by word and just drinking it in. And, and, and from Psalm 98, he was inspired to write his most famous song. Psalm 98, verse 4 
he studied this phrase right here. He says, shout joyfully to God all the earth. Be cheerful and sing for joy and sing praises. See that word joy pops up in there a couple times. And so Isaac decided, I'm going to compose a song of joy. And taking inspiration from the remainder of that, that psalm, he composed the song about, about how Jesus entered this world, how Jesus entered our hearts and our lives, how Jesus changes us forever. And Jesus gives us a song to sing. So he began to pin this song, and it's a four stanza song, and it's entitled, you know the song, it's called Joy to the World. Now, I'll tell you something interesting. The song was way too edgy for church grow, churchgoers in the early 1700s when he was pastoring. And most of the Brits did not accept the song, especially the religious leaders. They were not going to have that kind of music in church. They, the, the religious leader says, no, this music is outlandish, and it sounds like a barroom song. <laughs> but Isaac... What he wanted to do is he wanted to bring Christian music to the common man. And that's what he did. So Joy to the World actually wasn't considered valid until over 100 years later in the mid-1800s, 100 years after his death, actually. But he wanted to get across to people a simple message is that Christians should exude joy each and every day because the Lord has come. Joy to the World goes down in history as one of the world's most loved songs of celebration. It's a favorite of mine. Uh, the celebration of Christmas. It's the celebration of Christ dwelling in us. God <laughs> in the flesh was put into Mary's womb. And today we sing this song just the same way Mary sang her Christmas song. Seriously, because one of the verses in this song, it says this, it says, no more let sins and sorrows grow. Isaac had a good handle on his Bible and his theology and how poignant because he's calling out the truth that sin quenches joy. Not your circumstances, not your difficult financial situation, not your broken relationship, not your physical pain, not your broken down car that you keep trying to make it run. No, it is sin. Sin opposes joy. And you remove the sin and you rediscover joy today. And that's my biggest challenge today. So I ask you, what sin is blocking your joy? What secret sin do you keep going to because you think it's going to make you happy, but it's really just choking the joy out of your life? No more let sin and sorrows grow, as he wrote. I challenge you to purge that sin from your life, repent and be cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and then allow the joy of your salvation to return. And I'm going to pray right now. Still got a little bit more of my sermon, but I want to pray right now. I'm going to pray two things. First of all, if you don't know Jesus, that you give your life to Jesus. Repent of your sin. And secondly, if there is sin in your life, you might be a Christian, but there's their sin. I'm going to pray. We want to pray that that sin is eradicated, that's taken out of your life. With nobody looking around, would you please just lock yourself in with God? 
If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you want to give your life to Jesus, you're, you, you want the joy of salvation to be in you. You want God to move into your life. That's what he will do and he'll give you joy. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna, just going to ask you that you lift your hand at the count of three so I can see because I want to connect my faith with you. I don't want to believe God for a miracle, the miracle of salvation in your life. So with nobody looking around, if you need Jesus, if you need salvation, if you want the Spirit of God to move into your life, just lift your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Just lift it up for me. That's you. Lift your hand. Thank you. Put your hands down. Okay, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to pray with me and believe these words. Church, pray these words also with me for anyone who's giving their life to Christ right now. Pray these words. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me by your precious blood. Today I make the choice to give up my old life and to serve you, to follow you, to live for you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Still with nobody looking around. The truth is, even as Christians, we sin. A lot of times, you'll be holding on to secret, quiet sins because you feel like that's just going to make me happy. That's going to satisfy me. But you know the truth. It doesn't. It doesn't. I want us to all to pray together. Just pray these words with me. Let's drive that sin out of our lives. Will you, will you pray these words with me? Dear Lord, I love you with all my heart. And today I want sin out of my life. And just, in fact, quietly, nobody has to hear you, but just quietly whisper to God what that sin is that you need taken out of your life. Just quietly whisper. It could be envy. It could be immorality. It could be theft, deception, lying. Pray these words. Cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse me, Jesus. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.